Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube and aren't subscribed, make sure and click the subscribe button, like, comment, and let us know what you think about the episode. If there's a particular guest or topic that you'd like to have covered, we're always checking your comments on YouTube and love to be able to take them and then get them onto future episodes. Today, I'm going to be joined by Nick from Duramax Tuner, and they had a huge announcement this week about a settlement with the EPA. And so I wanted to ask him what it pertained to, um, what kind of uh, process you know he experienced with them, and then also talk about some of the other products that they have for Cummins, Duramax, Power Strokes trucks. So I'm definitely looking forward to chatting with him. It's always a great time when he's on the podcast. Before we get to it, though, I want to remind you our friends over at Kershaw Knives have a 40% off MSRP code for you. Use code 2024DIESEL40 at kershaw.kaiusa.com. It's a great way to save some money, get some really cool gear. If you need a knife for hunting, fishing, EDC, around the job site, around the house. Um, they have a ton of different choices to meet any budget. Um, there's different uh, options for blade steel, blade shape, handle design. Definitely make sure, head on over, check them out. Use code 2024DIESEL40 for 40% off MSRP. All right, let's get to today's podcast with Nick from Duramax Tuner and talking about his recent experience with the EPA. Nick, welcome to the Diesel Podcast. I enjoy all of our chats together. I always learn so much from your uh, knowledge and experience when it comes to tuning and performance on diesel trucks and there was some big news um recently we had a bunch of listeners reach out to us so i look forward to chatting with you today talking about that and then also some things you guys are working on for um new trucks old trucks turbos tuning tons of different things yeah yeah i'm, I'm a little less excited about the uh, news you spoke about <laughs> uh <laughs> first part I'm a little more excited about the second part but i'm uh, happy to share <laughs> well, the uh, I had a listener that said, hey, can you get uh, Nick from Duramax Tuner on the podcast and have him talk about his experience with the EPA? And I didn't I didn't see anything. So I went on to Facebook. I looked. I saw like a, a release that you guys had. Um, so I wanted to see if you could just recap that for us, for anyone who didn't see it, um, what, you, yeah. you know, what that experience was like. And then we'll get into the details of what it pertained to, uh, you know, what it affects and, and some of those things. Yeah, this has been the culmination of about a five-year process between uh, US EPA and Calibrated Power. Uh, in late 2019, we got a request for information, much like pretty much everybody in this industry. Um, and we submitted, I believe it was two years worth of um, two years worth of sales information in that request. And uh you know, it turns out we had some uh, some infractions in there, and uh, for the most part, those infractions consisted of LLY and LBZ trucks, where we had the diagnostic trouble codes disabled for EGR, and so uh, we got called on those infractions, and the rest of it has been, you know, kind of going through the process. <laughs> The, uh, the huge thing with it, when I first heard it, I thought, gosh, we could, I don't know the exact year, but as long, as far back as I can remember, 
you guys have always done emissions on tuning. I, I remember you guys did it when it wasn't popular to do it. That was the direction you guys went. So I thought there's no way there's anything like that. And, and all these episodes I've ever done, it's always been about 2007 and a half to current trucks. Nothing that I've ever come across has been about the pre 2007 and a half trucks. So I think that's probably what's going to draw a lot of people's attention because I think the prevailing opinion out there from truck owners and enthusiasts is I get a pre 07. I can do whatever I want. I don't have to worry about anything. That's not necessarily the case. Yeah. For a long time, I mean, going back over a decade here, I mean, we've been clean, you know what I mean? Um, as far as DPF stuff goes, 2007 and a half and later. And I, I personally enjoy the challenge of tuning emissions equipped trucks. And, uh, you know, there's just legacy products, uh, those LLY, LBZ trucks that were, you know, keeping the lights on that, you know, that in the industry, um, everybody, not everybody, but a majority of customers were, you know, going through putting blocker plates and doing deletes, that kind of stuff. And we, we knew we'd have a hard time, uh, you know, continuing to sell those legacy products. We didn't have those diagnostic trouble codes, um, disabled and, you know, it's a regrettable decision. Um, you know, as a business owner, you fortunately take certain risks and, and, you know, you pay the, you pay for the consequences, but, um, yeah, I mean, most people don't, don't think, you know, they think they're safe 2007 and a half and earlier. And, um, you know, maybe it's just because that was the only area where we were not clean and that that's why we got pinched there and nobody else really seems to uh, be affected by that. Um, I can't really say, you know, I, I can't speak for the EPA on this one. I don't know what their, what their intention was. Um, all I know is that, you know, our, our intention for a long time has been to service the 2007 and a half and op trucks in a, in a compliant way. Yeah. Well, I think with all the experience that you have focusing on the newer trucks all the way up to the current ones, which I'm sure you're you know working on and testing and, and diving into, does a lot of that information that you've learned, can it be put back towards the 2001 to seven, you know, LB seven to LBZs and some of the other vehicles where maybe the old way of doing things, maybe people don't have to go that route with blocker plates or other things that they might've done on their trucks because the innovation that the testing, the technology, the experience that you'd have as a tuner have come so far that you don't even have to mess with that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I will say that once we started getting heavy into the, the late model trucks, the LMLs, I'm really kind of honing the practice on the LMLs of properly measuring fuel rates, um, calibrating for great engine control of Lambda. So letting the ECM know exactly what the air fuel ratio I want to target is and allowing ECM to achieve those targets. Uh, once we kind of hone, <laughs> excuse me, hone that on the LML and L5P, um, I started looking back at the LBZ and the LLY and the LB7 and the 06 Cummins, you know, those earlier trucks and applying that that process, you know, that tuning methodology to the older trucks because, you know, everybody, I should say people of all generations can ap appreciate a clean running truck. Whether or not you buy a pre-emissions truck, that's uh, might have to do with budget or, you know, personal values or whatever it is but you can make good power on those trucks. You can have really good response. Um, as long as you know, you let 
the ECN know <laughs> what's going on. You let it know what fuel rate and what airflow rate um, are actually going through it. And uh, certainly those were some, those were some useful exercises. I can tell you my sales guys were, were very curious to know what the hell I was doing messing with the LBZ files again. <laughs> you know, why do you have to change that stuff? We know it works. Like, <laughs> I know it can be better and I, I want to work on it. And, you know, maybe it's not the smartest thing to do for the business, but it's stuff that I enjoy. And that's, that's why I'm in this business. Well, I think it's, like I said, the, the, the biggest thing for me when, when we were chatting earlier and then just learning about this was there's so many conversations or podcasts or things that I've done where I've had a lawyer on who talks about these kind of topics and, and represents clients against EPA. And I've asked about emissions pre 07 and like, Hey, it goes all the way back to, you know, even a first gen Cummins, there were different things that happened throughout the years, but on the truck owner or the enthusiast side, it's this idea that there was nothing that existed for emission systems on anything before 07. And it can be a challenge to try to help educate or tell them, Hey, this is why a first gen, um, why it changed the way it did. This is why the 12 valve came out, the VP 44, the common rail stuff. This is how the Duramax evolved. It all still applied. It just seems like it hasn't been a major focus with the headlines that we see as it relates to emissions and enforcement and different things that are out there it always seem to be just DPF trucks. So I think it's going to be a huge, a huge notice to the industry in general to say it can go back farther. Yeah. So it's a, it's an opportunity to look yeah. at products and, and things that are done to, to make sure it's compliant. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wish I knew exactly what that conversation looked like in the back offices of the EPA when they decided to target us for that one. Um, I can only, I can only guess. Right. Um, and same with the listeners, you know, we just, we don't, we just don't know, but um, you know, I, I think it makes me curious, like how much longer are those vehicles going to be on the road? What's the circumstances there? I mean, you talked earlier about, you know, can you, can you get those trucks to run right with emissions equipment on them? I mean, certainly an O four and a half, truck you know it, if the egr has never been off of it and cleaned that's probably something you should be doing if you plan on running an emissions equipped truck same with an lbz um same with anything of that vintage i mean you know it's just it's just good practice to maintain your vehicle and if it's in good maintenance and the tune is spot on like i was talking about earlier i mean you know it can happen it's fine you know they run well um why why we were targeted for those specifically I can only I can only guess. I mean, my thought is probably they thought that we were doing other stuff, and that was kind of a surprise to them that that was the only thing, and they felt like, well, you know, we're already here, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna enforce, right? Um, but who knows? You know, let's just guess. That's a really good topic that you brought up. I wanted to ask you a bit about because you. You, as a business owner, as a company, you talk to way more enthusiasts and truck owners than I do. And one of the things I've always been really curious about is those older trucks. To me, it seems like a smaller pool of trucks that are available. I don't know how many are taken off the road or have issues and they're just scrapped. But it's not like before where there was just hundreds of thousands, if not millions of them. And they're current trucks and you can crank out parts for them. We're separated by, you know, almost two decades, you know, now yeah. of of them being brand new. So how many are there? It just seems like it's transitioned more towards the newer stuff um, where, yeah. where that's most of the market. Yeah, certainly for us. I mean, it always surprises me when I look at the sales reports and see, <laughs> see just how many of those products we sell to those legacy trucks, how many 2001 Duramaxes we still tune. It's 
Like, how are there any of these that aren't tuned or, <laughs> you know, that are still on the road and running well? And, you know, God bless the South and the West, you know, it's, I guess they're still out there and they're still being used for, for daily activity and guys are still tuning for the first time, 2001 LB sevens. Is it a big part of our business? No. Um, you know, but it's some, it's a platform we know well and our customers know that we know it well and, you know, they want that kind of expertise on it. Um, the 2015-16 LMLs, you know, that's a huge production year. And then L5Ps, um, you know, those are really, those LMLs and L5Ps are really the flagship Duramaxes as far as stuff we're messing with lately. And it always, you know, you get to the point where you get second or third or fourth owner and, you know, the mindset of the owner changes and the values of the owner change over that over that buying cycle. And eventually, you know, maybe we're not the, the first choice on their, <laughs> their selection, you know, just being honest. Um, but, you know, our goal is to appeal to guys who have the values of new truck buyers. You know, they want quiet, clean, reliable, uh, you know, smooth horsepower. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the, the life cycle of a truck owner changes. Like what I wanted at 22, 25 is vastly different than what I want now. I've gone through <laughs> kind of all the stages of it. And I know it, man. Me too. It's funny to watch my sales team go through it too. <laughs> you know. I remember being you know, younger and my dad said, all I need is a 40 horsepower tune. It tows my trailer just fine. I'm like, yeah, but you could get like 200 out of it and do a turbo and injector. And he wasn't <laughs> into it. And now I'm about to that point where I'm like, as long as it starts and runs, I'm good. Yep. Yep. I, uh, I tease the guys at the, at the shop, you know, a steering wheel heater is worth 80 horsepower. You know, <laughs> <laughs> if you get those new truck amenities, it's, you know, it's to have just a little bit extra power and reliability. And, uh, you know, that's, that's really what it takes. I don't, one of the things when I think of Duramax, you know, I think of almost a complete approach to owning one of these trucks. What somebody would want that drives it every day, that tows with their vehicle, they're looking for longevity. And we haven't chatted in a while, and I've seen a ton of things with turbos and other products and testing and things that you guys are doing. What what are you guys working on or what's new or what sort of approaches are you guys taking in 2024 to Duramax's power strokes and Cummins? Yeah, we are, we are big on reliability and usability of the truck, right? The last thing that I want to do is sell products that make your truck less usable or less reliable or less dependable than, than it was when you purchased it. And I, I understand that there's a market out there that, you know, values, the pinnacle peak horsepower you can possibly get out of something and they're not you know this the truck gone in twenty thousand miles and they don't care that's not our business you know our business is the guys who want to keep their trucks for hundred thousand miles they want a company that they can that's going to be around in a hundred thousand miles that they can rely on uh, for that kind of service and so that's kind of where we positioned caliber power moving forward product development has been focused largely on showing and validating those parts that perform that process. So parts um, that we're testing be like uh, newer turbos, uh, the STR line, which is basically a, a drop-in line for the guy with stock fuel and stock injector, um, just looking for like stock spool up, um, a little bit more EGT control, a little bit more response. So we're working on uh, lightening up rotating assemblies, um, looking at every little piece of that turbocharger to see if we can get a little bit more out of it, um, but really not sacrifice the drivability and response that the customer got when they bought the truck. Um, we did a really cool shootout on the, on an old six um, on our stealth line across. So the STR, which is a 60 millimeter 
and our cell 64, our cell 67, an OEM stock charger, and then an OEM charger that's been modified with the big gate, right? So 39 PSI and all turned up on a stock turbo. And I had my engineer uh, spend three weeks on the dyno with this truck and collect data at every different horsepower and RPM uh, on the chart and give us EGT, give us drive and boost numbers, give us lambda limits. So how much airflow is moving through the engine, right? And so this is all basically collated and just about finished. We're putting the finishing touches on the video right now, but that's probably been the biggest focus in the past few weeks is, you know, calibrated power is data-driven results. It doesn't count if we don't give the data. So we're giving the data to our customers. We're giving the data to our dealers. We want everybody to see, you know, if you were running 300 horsepower at 2000 RPM and you were making 1150 degrees EGT before you put our turbo on, expect a 50 degree drop. Here's the proof in the pudding right here, right? Look at the data sheet. And so that's been the focus of the company on basically all of our development sides, uh, turbocharger wise, moving forward. And that goes for the L5P. Now we're doing some stuff with the Cummins, or with the Ford, I'm sorry, but um, the late model Cummins and the late model Duramax has been our primary focus. The data is what's been so, so cool to see. I think back years to years ago, when it would just be a truck with a lot of fuel and somebody throw a turbo on it and they make a bigger number on the dyno, they post up on a forum or Facebook and then everyone wants to run it, but you didn't know any of the data that went with it. Whereas now it, well, I think it has to be more focused, right? For the, the tuning, the emissions on tuning um, that you're doing, um, whether it's 49 or 50 state, like there's so much data you have to provide to show someone. Um, Well, you can also do that internally and and do these combinations to, to really have that data that people want to know. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you touched on that, Patrick. Um, you know, outside of the performance data, which is, of course, important, and in my opinion, isn't shared enough in this industry, it's it's mostly talk. You know, it's still anecdotal reviews. It's still put this turbo on, I put it on my truck, I love it. Like, great, but I want information. I'm not I'm not a believe it guy. I'm a, I want to read it. I want to look at the data. I don't want, you know, if I smell bullshit, like I'm not, I'm not into it. So show me exactly what's going on there. So that's, you know, that's the buyer that I cater to. <laughs> it's, it's me, right? It's, it's if I was a buyer, that's the buyer that I cater to. It just makes my life easy. Um, and then you touch on the emissions side, you know, and, and the testing. Um, yeah, Worldly Custom Fab and I have gone together on uh, uh, working on a, a, a lab called Performance Test Lab, which is a separate business venture, basically a staffed lab that is doing 49 state testing, mostly for our own internal products, because he and I both have a lot of products. Um, that, you know, are in development phases and, you know, we want to get ahead of that test. I don't want to deal with this shit again. You know what I mean? Like, it's not yeah. something that was fun. It's, it's, uh, it takes, it takes your wind out of your sails. I'm sure you've had plenty of people on the podcast that have told you what a personal toll it's taken on their life. And, yeah. you know, I can say that, uh, certainly early on, that was a good kind of kick in the dick, but, um, eventually you realize it's, it's business, um, the people you're working with at the EPA, you know, if you, if you're respectful to them, I've had a pretty respectful relationship with the folks, at the EPA. Um, I feel like, you know, there's a mutual respect there. We got through it. Um, you know, they're just doing a job. I'm just trying to get past it. So, um, you know, now we're on the other side of it and just trying to stay clean and, and, you know, be allowed to do what I love to do. I wanted to ask you some questions about the testing side, because I'm, 
I'm yeah. really interested in that because I think of just my history and knowledge as it came to new product development. It was a lot of times just an idea, throw a different wheel on, a different cartridge, <clears throat> put these injectors on. Hey, it works really great. Now it's on a website, sell it. It doesn't work like that anymore. And right. I really want the truck owners and the enthusiasts out there to understand before somebody sees something on your website what goes into it with testing, with validation to be able to confidently say in these 49 states, this yeah. it doesn't change the emissions output of your vehicle. Right, right. Uh, so, you know, certainly we do that product testing and validation to make sure that it puts out the power numbers and performance data that I think is important to the customer, right? And I would call that the easy part. Like, Okay, you know, I, I can build something that I know it does what it's supposed to do and it's fun to drive and you know, hell yeah, let's go to let's go party. And ten years ago, that's when you'd go to the website and put it on the website. Right? Yeah. <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now you got to run it on the truck, make sure it's not going to degrade any any emissions components. So make sure that it holds up, right? It's got to be reliable. You got to use it in the application, tow with it, beat the hell out of it, run it for, you know, however many thousand miles. And then it's got to go through um, running, uh, setting emissions uh, readiness test, right? So basically you're running the truck stock, making sure the emissions readiness tests all pop up, which can take, you know, anywhere from 400 to a thousand miles or more, depending on which make you're on. So, you know, a new turbo, for instance, we will put it on, let's say a 22 Cummins, drive it, make sure it sets all the readiness tests. That's not always a gravy thing. It doesn't always happen, right? So you might have to go back to the drawing board and, and change some things or make adjustments to make sure you pass the readiness test. Once you pass the readiness stuff, then it's time to run the uh, USO6 and FT75. And uh, doing those in-house is a really nice thing because you can, you know, if it doesn't work, you can see it and you can see where it didn't work and go back and, you know, try and make adjustments to that side of the uh, turbocharger or the tune to really, you know, get it so that it's clean. Um, and I, I, it's an external staff uh, separate from calibrated power that that's in charge of uh, test lab. And I, I want those guys to keep me honest. You know what I mean? Like, don't let me get away with anything. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not here to, you know, because there's going to be some other regulators going to step in and ask the ask the hard questions. Yeah. So better that we ask the hard questions right now, get through it on our own, you know, and and make, make our own internal bar um, higher than the regulator's bar is going to be. And so that's that's kind of the process before you see a product go on the website. Kind of a long winded one. Now, is that the lab that uh, you mentioned collaborating with Worley on? Is that something that's going to be open to other companies to have products tested in the future? We've let a few friends um, in to, to use it. I mean, what I don't want to have happen is to backlog my own lab so that I can't get my products through in time, right? I mean, the, the whole goal of the lab is to allow Worley and myself to get to market quickly with new products and not uh, bottleneck us in that regard. So, you know, as we look on the schedule and see, okay, we got a month that we're pretty light here, then uh, I got a, you know, a few friends in the industry are going to tap on the shoulder and say, Hey, do you have any 
thing that you run through the lab. And usually we find find work that way. I'm not in the point where I want to advertise. I mean, I realize talking to you is a form of advertising, but just just so anybody listening out there in the industry, <laughs> um, I am not, uh, you know, don't go out of your way to call me <laughs> to, to look for this kind of help right now. We, we're, we got plenty on our plenty of our own plate. The, the reason I asked was because I think a lot of the themes that I've heard and things business owners have told me is about that testing process. And it just, in my mind, as an outsider looking in, there's so many products, so many companies, so many ideas that are out there. I think most businesses have come around to say, okay, before I put it on the website, I need to have some sort of validation testing, um, something like that. So I've been real curious in the back of my mind to see in the future how that plays out in the diesel industry. Are there places um, that people can go? How do they get these products um, validated and tested and and put together? So it's something I'm sure in the future might come up more. But I've been real curious as far as yeah. like R&D, what happens um, with it because uh, the process is so different than it used to be. It is. It is, man. And, and, you know, carb is a really a difficult road to go down. It's not impossible. I mean, we have carb EO numbers for almost all of our tuning. Um, but it, it's been a really long, I mean, it's been years of working on that. I mean, it's been five years to get to that point. Um, and certainly on the turbochargers as well. So, you know, it's a kind of a calculated thing, like how, how popular do you think the product's going to be? How much you know, what kind of attention do you think it's going to draw? Like how, how, how wild do you want to get? Do you want to go through the 50 state process? Do you want to go through the 49 state process? Um, and SEMA garage is a great resource for that, you know, just cause we have our own uh, lab. I don't want to detract at all from those guys are great to work with. And, uh, you know, they're a real resource for the industry. So I think anybody who's thing like, Oh, I want to do this the right way. Like I would say SEMA garage is probably an amazing resource for that. Um, and going through and getting their 49 state stamp, um, you know, is, it's probably the, the most painless way. <laughs> it's not painless by any means, but it's probably the most painless way. I thought of a question to ask you that I get a lot from, from listeners and it can be, <clears throat> we'll make it about Duramaxes, but I think the principle or, or your answer will apply to a lot of different trucks is <clears throat> if you think of a street truck, something you're daily driving, hooking a trailer to every now and then maybe taking the family camping. So we're talking not crazy power, really going heavy into modifications. But you take that pre-07 truck, it'd be an LBZ, LB7, something like that. And you take an L5P with emissions on tuning. As an enthusiast, which I know you are at your core, which one is a better truck to daily drive in? And then I'll have a follow-up question um, to that. But in your opinion, which one would you rather drive every day? So what I, I guess, just to be clear, the question is, would I rather drive a pre-07 truck or would I rather drive a older model truck? Well, like say a, an LBZ with your tuning, um, you know, yep. just some, some bolt-on things or an L5P. So an, maybe not necessarily a brand new one, but a newer one where yep. you have your tuning yep. on it, a, you know, a fuel system, something like that. <clears throat> I think the nostalgia and the romance of the pre-07 trucks is a is a real thing people really appreciate that sound and that kind of visceral feel of using the truck um, whenever i think about using one of those trucks in a towing application or using it i would say you know hard use the cooling is just the first thing that comes to mind like you just can't keep the coolant temps under control with really heavy loads at the power levels where you can keep an l5p cool um, engine oil temperature especially is just difficult to keep in check running at 400, 
450 horsepower. I mean, let's say you have a built trans LBZ, right? And you really are working the truck in Arizona or in Colorado or in thin air. Um, if you look at the front of that LBZ versus looking at the front of an L5P, I mean, you get more airflow capability over the cooling stack and over um, the, the truck. That that's that's where th there's no way to equalize those two. There's just not enough front upgrade with an L5P. And in that scenario, I take the L5P. That's <laughs> just that's just my thought again. Well that's a lot of the the questions or the opinions that I'll hear is sometimes they'll vary a little bit and they'll say the L5P is way nicer inside. There's more stock power. There's all this technology in it. Um, but the next question, the follow-up one to that is they'll say, but will it be reliable longer term than an LBZ, an LB7, an LOI? Could be, we be talking about Cummins you know, as well, but I wanted to ask you with that side and all the testing that you do and how long you've been um, in the industry and seeing customer trucks and shop trucks and, and, and doing those things, can you keep these newer trucks reliable past 100,000 miles, past 200? What do you see on that side for longevity? Yeah, um, certainly there are more systems and there are more systems to fail. I mean, I'd be lying to your face if I told you that um, maintaining def heaters at 200,000 miles or injector pigtails or NOx sensors at 200,000 miles is, you know, is nothing, is no big deal. I mean, because it really is something that you need to be concerned about on an L5P. Um, they don't last forever, uh, those two systems especially. Those are probably the primary things we see are NOx issues, NOx sensors, and uh, death heaters as far as emission stuff goes. Um, but, you know, the thing a lot of people fail to remember about the L5P is it has so many more safeties built into it. It's look, you know, engine control module, the trans control module is looking at everything that's happening in that truck constantly. And it's making sure that it's keeping EGTs in check. It's making sure it's keeping engine coolant temperature in check, IATs, turbo speed. I mean, every element that could possibly be degraded on the truck as far as engine performance goes, the engine control module is keeping track of that. And if it's not been defeated by the tuner, which we don't do, we use those safety features because they're important. Um, I, I still think the L5P has an edge in reliability, you know, assuming it's maintained and, and cared for. Yeah, I think the maintenance side is is what's so key, whether it's old or new, is, you know, giving it some love, you know, every year, every, every hit those yeah. mileage marks that, that you got to do to to make sure, make sure that it runs. Yeah, um, I mean, the problem child we see are the guys who run them with the codes on for 10,000 miles, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's had EGR codes for 10,000 miles. Like, what do you think? is going on with the rest of the truck. You know, what, what do you think? You think the DPF happy, the EGR stuck open and you're pouring soot down, down the exhaust. I mean, if a check engine light comes on, take care of it. That's It's not rocket science. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Just take care of the damn truck and it'll, it'll serve you well. I think a lot of these newer trucks have also benefited from just advancements at the OE level with emission systems compared to the early ones and specifically the six, seven Cummins. Um, yeah, with some of the absolutely. issues it had, they've gotten a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, EGR systems have grown in size um, and, and design. I mean, the three liter Duramax, you're seeing EGR post DPF. Like, oh, that's a brilliant idea. I'm, I'm glad we're finally integrating that into the system. Um, the later model trucks are leaning more on DEF than they are EGR. I mean, I don't know. The number of trucks that we see that are like just plugged up EGRs are in their issues, like 
it's really neglect. You know, it, it's a, it's usually a truck. It's usually something that's abused, a hot shotter that's loaned his truck out to, you know, sub driver. Um, I don't know. That's just my experience. I'm not saying, you know, it's not a perfect experience. It's just one guy, one shop owner's experience and, and you know, tuning these things. I thought of a kind of a personal question to ask you about Duramax is because I was looking, uh, I don't know why, but I was just looking at Chevy dealers, GMC dealers around me. And yeah. I don't really have a need for a three-quarter or one ton. <clears throat> so I was looking at the half tons. And I'm in Colorado. There's a lot of three-liter Duramaxes that are brand new on the lot. And there's a handful of the five threes in it. And I don't know a lot about the three-liter. I get questions from time to time for listeners to say, hey, you know, what do you think about it? Or can you have a guest on to talk about it? I wanted to ask you, just for your opinion on these newer three-liter Duramaxes in the 1500s, what do you think about them? Um, as a daily driver, something to tow with a little bit. Um, maybe some, you know, benefits or, or just things. If someone was looking at buying one of them that they could hear from an enthusiast, a business owner, somebody that's in the industry. Yeah. Yeah. I have a 2021, uh, three liter. So I have driven it, um, put some miles on it. It's not my only daily driver, but I have, I have driven it for a few months in a stint. And I tell you compared to the three quarter ton, kind of my observations, um, stock, I would say it drives a lot like a gas truck. It revs out a lot. Um, it, it doesn't necessarily lug like you're used to your three-quarter ton diesels lugging. So if you're coming from a three-quarter ton, going to a three-liter, it's going to feel a little more like rev happy. Um, and I, I didn't enjoy it personally. Now, I have a certain pedigree and values and, you know, those things might come in and bias, but that's that's where I was. Um, so when I jumped on the tuning side of it, I... I Worked on the trans tuning a lot. That was probably my primary focus. I mean, we added 40 horsepower. Um, those trucks don't have as much overhead because they don't have as much towing capacity, right? There's only so much extra power you can add, kind of like the 2.8. Um, you know, they're just, they're not a three quarter ton truck. You can still add a good amount of power, right? Four horsepower, 90 or 100 foot pounds. Um, and then using the torque converter clutch lockup to get the truck to lug and pull and drive like a diesel. Uh, makes it a lot more fun to drive. Um, certainly, you know, pulling that extra gear without the downshift. I mean, anybody who's in this business knows that's why you buy a diesel truck. And that's what I enjoy about it. I'll say mileage wise, I get about eight or nine miles per gallon better when I go to the three liter compared to my 6.6. The 2020 6.6 that I drive also with our STR turbo and tuning on it. I go to the three liter. Yeah, about, you know, about 24, 25 miles per gallon in the cold here. So I usually get about 15, 16 in my point splitter. Um, Suspension-wise, they drive nicer, they're plush. I mean, all the reasons a guy drives a half-ton truck. I can say towing against a 6.2, where a 6.2 might get six or seven miles to the gallon with a nose trailer. The three-liter will get nine or ten. Uh, these, these are real-world numbers. I'm not trying to fluff here, you know, blow smoke or give you some bullshit inflated Towing numbers, like that's the real deal, but that's a pretty strong percentage improvement, you know, yeah. going through the mountains and using it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very, does that answer your question, Patrick. I don't it, know. <laughs> yeah. It does because it's a very appealing, well, it's a very appealing, it's a very appealing truck if you don't need a three quarter or one ton and you're not interested in gas or some of the hybrids that are out there and you want that torque, you want that longevity. And, you know, there's not a lot of options that are out there. Um, and I've seen you guys have done a lot with the three liter GM and that's why I was curious to always ask you that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my, my biggest frustration right now is that 
the cost to tune one, just the hardware cost is, is prohibitive to, uh, to most of our customers. We're, we're not moving many of those tunes because our customers are, you know, they're waiting for the cost to come down from HP tuners or credits or unlocks. And that's just kind of the deal with new trucks right now is, you know, you, you, unfortunately it costs a lot of money to tune still. Um, but I, I can say that the tuned one is it's a hell of a lot of fun to drive. I would say it compares, if I was going to shop that truck against a gas truck, I would shop it against the Ford's Power Boost. They, they get similar mileage, similar torque delivery, uh, probably similar torque ratings. Power Boost is an um, as far as power goes. You know, I know this is a diesel podcast and I apologize for this detour, but I love hybrid uh, the whole idea of hybrid powertrains in a truck, I think capturing energy on braking and using it again to get going is is a badass plan. And uh, I tune in the power boost too. <laughs> well, that's that was it's interesting you mentioned that because one of the people that's that messaged me and we were having a conversation. That's what they were comparing. Is this three liter Duramax or the F one fifty? Yeah, and they were Go looking figure. at the looking at the torque numbers because they're very appealing. Um, you yeah. know, on the Ford, as you think yeah. of the power that you have, I think it's rated what, like 23 city, 23 highway. Um, and they're just kind of, well, which one, you know, should I go with? And you put bias aside or brand loyalty aside, it's really kind of tough to compare them, but it is something that who knows, maybe we'll see one day in diesel, sort of that hybrid technology. It could be something that's out there, but I think that comparison really comes down to, do I want that three liter, you know, 1500 yeah. or this F-150? Yeah. Um, power boost. I, okay, it's a uh, our 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 three liter runs about a, a high fourteen in a quarter, and the power boost uh, that I tuned to ninety three octane will run twelve eighty five in the quarter at almost one hundred and ten <laughs> miles an hour. Or something. Wow. The power of those trucks is just it's it's amazing, and uh, you know I know that our. Our customers and our market demographic is, you know, uh, usually electric performance is kind of a taboo word. And, um, you know, I've been doing this for 15 years. I don't give a hell. I don't give a shit what anybody thinks of me. Um, I hybrid powertrains. I think that is the best addition of power to a quarter ton or a half ton truck moving forward. I don't see plug-in electric trucks as the next step in, in the way things are moving here. I think. You know, Allison has some really cool hybrid trans technology. Ford's got some 10 speed, you know, some badass uh, technology in there and their hybrid stuff. I mean, to be able to add a hundred horsepower with an electric motor, no emissions nonsense, no, you know, EPA is not knocking on your door for that extra hundred horsepower. Um, I think it's a really cool uh, idea. And it's probably the, the truck that I'm most excited to get next is when the power stroke of the Duramax comes out with a, a hybrid setup. Yeah. Well, it's a lot of my friends are into gas trucks. I'm kind of the rebel with the diesel side, but you yeah, know, yeah. they'll talk to me about the Hemi or the, the five, seven Tundra or the Titan. And you think of the power and the torque numbers those make. And then you look at the F one fifty, the power boost, and isn't it really like five sixty um, stock, 560 foot pounds of it's, torque. And yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's like, a strong number, man. And 160 foot pounds or so is a lot in a, <clears throat> you know, a half ton truck comparison. And so it's, there is that performance aspect to it, which I would love to get into more, you know, one day just talking, learning about um, how that kind of blends together because there's definitely benefits I see to it. 
and there's the performance numbers. There's the power numbers you can get out of it. So I think that's going to be a really exciting part to keep our eye on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Hopefully soon. <laughs> Definitely. Well, it was uh, it was really cool to chat with you, Nick. I appreciate you, um, you know, chatting about uh, the, you know that recent press release that you guys had, explaining a bit about it, and then telling us more about products and development things you guys are working on. I always enjoy our chats. Um, learning from you and seeing what you guys are coming out with next. I you know, follow you guys on Instagram, Facebook, and and uh, YouTube channel and everything else. So keep up the, the awesome work and look forward to seeing what you guys have in 2024. Yeah, well, thanks a ton for having me on, Patrick. I appreciate it. You're doing a fine job on the podcast and keep it up, brother. Don't forget, Diesel fans, make sure and head on over to Kershaw.kaiusa.com. Use code 2024 diesel 40 for 40% off MSRP. It's a great way to save some money and get some really cool gear. If you need a knife for hunting, fishing around the job site, around the house, they've definitely got you covered with a bunch of different options to meet any budget. And we appreciate them offering that discount code just for diesel podcast listeners. Also want to give a shout out to some of our Patreon supporters, Tyler Lowen of 23 diesel, John, J Cole, all of our other Patreon supporters, all of you who subscribe on YouTube podcast apps, follow us on social media. We appreciate all your support here in year eight of the diesel podcast and look forward to bringing you more of the content that you want to hear in 2024. Until next time, keep the shiny side up.